as always, joined alongside Luke Burrows and Nick Robinson. Uh, another action-packed show today, lots to cover. But before we do, please remember to download both the Barn, Burner, and Zingo TV app available on both iOS and Android devices. Zingo TV is, Zingo TV is also available on Chromecast, Amazon Fire, and Fire TV Sticks, Roku, and Roku Sticks, also on all smart TVs, 2016 and 4. That's the first time I really botched that intro. Sorry to disappoint you both. Um, gentlemen, how are we doing today? How, how, how are we doing? How are we feeling? Great. Thank you. How are you? Good. I, I really missed hockey. I, it was yes. eight months yesterday, I think, since the Senators last played a game, <laughs> which is that's tough. Crazy. crazy. Eight months. I didn't really consider what it was like for a non, I don't say a non-playoff team, but I guess you could say a non-playoff team. Um, Did, didn't yeah. get the fun of the bubble like you guys. No. Didn't get to no. experience that. Yeah, I, I am missing hockey and um, we'll get to all that, but let's talk about, you know, what the NHL and what teams are doing to sort of I guess pass the time and get fans looking forward to the new season. And, and that is the reverse retro jerseys. So um, there wasn't a lot of buildup to this. It was just sort of all of a sudden the NHL tweeted and certain teams tweeted uh, a very cartoonish uh, picture of, uh, of jerseys with uh, different dates in the back. And if we can pull we'll pull that up shortly, but it basically had the year of which, which teams are going to go back to that alternate, for example. Uh, so we'll pull that up in a second, but I think this is a this is a good way to sort of get fans more engaged in what's happening in, in hockey and, and how to get more people to look into jerseys. And we know that plenty of teams, Dallas, Ottawa, uh, a bunch of teams are going back to the alternates. We saw Vancouver wear their uh, Canuck uh, black and yellow one last year. And I think this is a good way. Um, do you guys think that the, the throwback jerseys, the reverse retro jerseys, do you think it can become oversaturated and people can kind of get retro for, retro fatigue from doing this too much? Well, I don't really get it. Um, I don't really get like I'm. I'm all for yeah. like I obviously I loved um, like you said, Pat, the uh, flying skate in Vancouver last year. But this concept specifically, like first of all, I don't really understand what reverse retro means. I don't yeah. really get what they're trying to accomplish. And then I it's it's just kind of interesting where like what direction a lot of the teams are going with these. I'm not. I'm not huge on where it appears Vancouver is headed. Um, and like looking at this and I was trying to find, um, is, is Vegas on this? Yes, they are 10 to 95. Uh, I don't know if someone yeah. can explain that to me, but regardless, I, I like, I'm like, I, I like throwback jerseys. I, I think I've made that pretty clear with our tier lists. Um, and these, I'm sure these are going to be cool. I just don't really understand what is happening. I think it's, it's a mix of the jerseys now and a mix of the jerseys back then. And then they're combining the two. I'm pretty sure, uh, I would have preferred team switching to alternates or just going back to, uh, an older one, but I, it, they're trying to mix the, the now and what pe- teams had in the seventies or nineties or whatever. If I'm getting that correctly, Nick, what do you think? Well, I think this is sort of what we all wanted eventually from the NHL Adidas jersey deal was some sort of creativity because I we've criticized it before. The NHL just doesn't do enough of that. And you look at a league like the NBA or the MLB, teams have several jerseys. Like teams have like four jerseys each in those leagues. And in the NHL, 
um, especially since Adidas took over the jersey rights from Reebok. Teams have predominantly had really only two jerseys with the uh, odd sprinkling in of teams who have played in winter classics and stuff like that, being able to go to three. So I think this is now we're getting to the territory that we wanted to. I think the reverse retro is an interesting concept. I I guess we're going to have to wait and see what exactly they come up with. And we're going to know by uh, probably next week's show. And then we can sit here and review all of them. But it's an it's an interesting direction. If you're we're just looking at the graphic that we have pulled up here, there's some certainly some interesting uh, concepts that catch the eye. LA going back to the purple and yellow is really cool. I like New Jersey going green. I think that'll be um, that'll be real interesting. As well as the fact that uh, I think the one I'm most looking forward to is uh, the Coyotes with the purple and orange because that is something we've never really seen the NHL before. So uh, I feel, yeah, I feel that should be interesting. I feel like Go I should ahead, say, because it, it I kind of came off that I wasn't really um, down for these. I like it. And I like that, that the NHL is, I think we were just saying the other week, the NHL needs to do some league wide Jersey thing. Um, that's clearly what this is. Uh, so it's cool. I like that. I think just when I, when I, when we talked about that, I would have meant more, like, and I know, like, we we reference the NBA a lot when we talk about this, but more, um, not really, th- I guess, technically third jerseys, but just very um, unique. And, you know, like, the, these jerseys that the NBA have that aren't their uh, typical home or away, they change basically every, every year. I've seen over the past few weeks, uh, a few um, NBA jersey announcements, stuff like that. So th- this is cool that, that the NHL is doing this uh just maybe not not the way i would have liked to see it happen well i didn't know vegas was doing two jerseys because they put out their yellowish gold one yellow yeah um but what do you guys think of this one i first of all this is a lousy picture to market a jersey for but the design itself what do you guys think of it because i honestly don't hate it i I feel like it's getting a lot of uh people are hating it online but i don't i don't mind it to be honest i can see why like the color concept it's interesting again it's not vegas's alternate uniform so if this is something they're gonna wear once or twice over the next couple of years like i'm completely fine with it if you know if we get 31 or 32 ugly jerseys like i mean it'll at least be something to talk about but um i i don't again i don't dislike the entire concept of this thing because it's not like they're forcing teams alternate jerseys where they're going to have to wear it likely 10 15 times a year for home games like at least something like this we're probably going to see them playing it twice and it'll be a nice big change and that'll be something cool to see i don't dislike the red what i do wish is that i think the this is modeled after the i think it's the las vegas thunder like a farm team from the 90s and they wore uh like teal so I like that would have been cool, I think, to see. But I, I don't hate that they went red. It's it's certainly interesting. It so so this isn't eye. an alternate. This is just a, another another jersey that they're going to. This is just there. another jersey, right? Wait. The alternate is their gold one that they came out with. Is this? I, is... I, I don't think these jerseys are alternate jerseys. I think I would classify an alternate jersey as something you're going to wear for you know 10, 15 home games. These are something I think we're going to see the teams playing them once or twice a year. So that's that's not their alternate, and it's not their reverse retro. That's their reverse retro. That's their reverse. Okay. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. uh, I got another leaked one here. So Vegas wasn't the only one to leak. Um, Boston's leaked. This uh, Pete Blackburn was the one that tweeted this out. This one I really really like. I'm a big fan of this one. Uh, talk can't... about talk about bad photos to market traces. Yeah, really. With. 
Well, that, these aren't I, these aren't marketing photos. Yeah, they're not. Supposed I, I think to be. they're yeah, just yeah. somebody who's working with the product placement um, or whatever just snapped a picture. I'm not huge on those. They're nothing like really. Like the idea of Boston in yellow. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. the The logo too is a that's bit not of a new retro though, is logo. it? Is that just looks very it? orange to me? Well, I think it's just the picture we're talking. I think it's going to be reminiscent of the yellow that's on the B typically. Uh, I like the B. The B looks like the old school one. Um, back in like the 70s and stuff so i, I just I like feel it. like i yeah I, I don't mind it i just feel like i've seen that jersey or something very close to it before but i don't pay a lot of attention to bruins jerseys. I, got, I got another concept one here like a Is couple of one? a lot of people obviously starting to point out concepts of what we could see uh that's uh, that's a concept for the coyotes jersey i don't think we'll get quite that but uh wasn't that obviously the last the purple week? pardon me wasn't that the one we Close. had a couple weeks ago no different one i had a couple of weeks ago but um if they're doing something like this, if we're seeing like cartoon cactuses on a jersey, like oh man, that's gonna be unbelievable. I think I have a thing Luke likes it. Yeah, the Coyotes this one, definitely I do have the like potential to be the best one. I I that yeah, I agree. Especially if they if they like how where is this from, Nick? This this specific one? Do you know? No idea. Whoever DA is, I would guess. But if yeah. they go like you guys know how I feel about the Kachina, if they go the Kachina route, and I, what's the number um, that's on? You know, like they all have the years. What's this is 92. 92. Okay. I don't know. I actually know what that means, but if they go Kachina, I'm, I'm probably going to like the other it. one. So it, and the thing, the reason why I find this concept really interesting is you look at the senators reverse red, they're going to get a reverse retro, but you know, they just went retro for their full rebrand next season, which, you know, the timing is really interesting. So I, a lot of fans have been pointing to the fact that are they just going to do a red 2d Jersey? Uh, here is a, picture that i'm going to pull up here now when the ottawa senators expansion team was announced these were actually jerseys that they passed around and sold and that they marketed the team with prior to its return i would love to see them put that logo on a red reverse retro jersey i think I would that would not. be extraordinary That's nice i could I do be without... awesome maybe without the ottawa part and just i, I don't know actually i'm undecided on that I'm that looks like a that. that looks like a like a minor hockey league jersey. Oh, it does. I'm not. I'm not going to debate you on that. I. I don't know. I just find you know the actual Ottawa Senators logo just really has nothing to do with the city of Ottawa. So I at least admire the fact that you've got like a Parliament building type uh, emblem here, a little Canadian flag on it. That, I think it really yeah. captures yeah. like the spirit of the city of Ottawa. Like it. Well, it does totally look like a minor hockey jersey. I mean. If they're going to wear it once or twice a year, I mean, have some fun with it at least. I think this would be yeah. a really cool concept. Um, we also saw, I think, Nick, you sent me the tweet. LA leaked theirs, and LA mm -hmm. went back to the purple Crown Royal one, which I love. I think that's, aside from what I think is the best jersey, I think that's a close second. Uh, it's beautiful. I love the purple and yellow scheme. I like also the yellow. I'm not a big yellow guy, but the way the yellow works with LA's sort of Crown Royal thing, they posted it on Facebook, I'm pretty sure, before Twitter for whatever reason, but um, I don't have that here. I just got a full breakdown here okay. of basically what we're getting from every team. So this I is, mean, this is from the uh, hockey jerseys, Reddit page. Uh, and I can't speak to how or where uh, they've received this information, but it's pretty in depth. And just on the ones that I've, I've heard in general, like Vancouver, I think that's accurate. So like the devils, it's just description is Christmas. Um <laughs> Well, you can see on the on the teaser, right? It, they're gonna have yeah. a green jersey. 
Um, so that'll be really interesting because they, they, that didn't last long before they went to pretty much red primary with green trim. So that'll be really interesting. The other one that catches my eye is uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins doing a white diagonal. That should be really cool because that was something they wore for a bit. Um, I'm not entirely sure with the Edmonton Oilers because their alternate jersey currently is that dark navy one with the orange trim. That seems like a reverse retro to me. I don't know if they're just going to do that or they get a, th this would be the fifth Jersey Edmonton's gotten with the Adidas rebrand. So I I'm not sure what the plan exactly is And they all look the there. same to me, if I'm being honest. And I think I've made that clear, but. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. We, we debated that pretty hard the other day. Um, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to pull up another couple of ones here. Um a uh, Montreal concept, I believe, Patrick, there, you had sent this one. Well, because the 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 gif or that what everyone's seeing is just the blue, and people don't know if it's going to be because I've seen a, a bunch of people, a bunch of graphic designers make a concept jersey like this one. Um, again, the I, I don't mind the blue, but Nick, if you can pull up the other one that Montreal wore before, it's the blue with the C. Um, yeah, I all, all I would say about this one is don't expect Max Domi to wear it. Yeah, that's the, yeah. I couldn't find a non-Max Domi one. Um, yeah, I don't I like pull, that because that's that's the exact same jersey design that they have right now with but, just moving the colors around, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the thing is like if Montreal. So the year on Montreal's is I think seventy seven, and Montreal's nineteen seventy seven jersey concept and their entire style is the same as now. The only thing that's changed is whatever's changed with the jerseys when Reebok. And I, I could do this. I think this would be cool. Like. And this is sort of a, a weird position for Montreal because what are you going to change? They never changed their logo since the 70s. They never really changed their design since the 70s. So if they're going to make a whole new design instead of going back like what LA is doing, like what Vancouver is probably going to do, they might have to come up with a new design. And that's why I could see them going to the, the one we pulled up with the C or perhaps a variation of the Montreal Maroons jersey, uh, the, the burgundy one. Real missed opportunity if they don't do the pajama ones. Yeah, again, that's uh, yeah. We'll see. It'd be a funny, know. it'd be a funny nod to Montreal jersey history if their reverse retro jersey was just their normal home jersey. Yeah, that really. Be funny because yeah. they've only and even like the the Winter Classic one that I have up here. That's not mine, by the way. That's my roommate's. Shout out to him for letting me uh, use it on the show. Anyway, that one, that one's very similar to the one that Montreal used in the Heritage Classic against Ottawa. The only difference was they didn't have a blue stripe between it and uh they didn't have the the red collar it was basically just white with the same thing so there's not much montreal can do um but for teams like vancouver or la where they do have nice alternates it'll be interesting to see Thank i'm you. just really happy that la you're welcome i'm just really happy that la brought theirs back because i love the i love the purple and i think that's like one of the the nicest jerseys but that should be a cool one i'm excited to see that yeah. one um and do we know any of the sort of what the logistics are is this going to be each team decides how many times they wear it is it going to be there's like a reverse well, I, retro night where all I teams bet it's wear gonna, it. It's going to depend on how the season is played out. Yeah, I, I, I would. I would. Yeah, it, it, what Luke said, but I think they're going to aim for more of a reverse retro night type thing just because, you know, teams have so many other jerseys that they're going to be wearing. Uh, most of the teams in the NHL have alternates and, you know, at least everybody else has, you know, home jerseys that they wear regularly. So you're going to have to find like a good balance. And part of these things, too, you don't want to oversaturate. Exactly. Uh, with the different jerseys you want to just use these special maybe use it for the next like three years like a couple of times a season that's it call it a day because 
then you start to lose the effect of the reverse yeah. retro. Yeah, retro fatigue will hit. And I do like, like I didn't expect so many NHL teams to come up with alternate jerseys or do retro night. Like I, I think it's a, it's a Vancouver did it the perfect amount this year. Uh, Thank teams you. Teams that again. go back to that. Yeah, it's two for two. Complimenting Vancouver. Today. Ottawa uh, just got new, nice black jerseys. Yeah. I would like to see them wear that forty-one times next year. Like, yeah, as close <laughs> yeah. to that as you can. And so. if NHL teams, and I know it, part in part this is probably because of COVID, and we're so they're so pressed for attention and ratings and clicks and whatever. But uh, if they were to do this, and every team were to come up with an alternate, and every team were to come up with a reverse retro, and have some variation of jerseys, it's going to get old pretty quickly. So I hope they spread it out, and I hope they have a proper plan that doesn't uh, overdo it within one condensed period of time. But um, again, we uh, we love jerseys, and from the rankings, we we can go on about our different opinions. But let's talk about some. Uh, we don't, there's not much hockey news, uh, and weirdly enough, still Hoffman and Mikhail Granlin have not signed. Um, so we don't, we can't really talk about the free agent market. We ta- can't talk about any key signings or trades, but what we can talk about are fan polls and the athletic, uh, did their usual Dom Luchism, um, from Dom Luchism. Is that, is that how you pronounce correctly? it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Sounds Dom right to me. wrote Does anybody article. know how to pronounce it? Like seriously. I think it's Luchism. Yeah. And he had a really interesting article which talked about all the moves and I think he factored in draft as well. And he, he basically mm-hmm. graded teams um, based on points in public opinion and the fans themselves on which teams actually improved, which teams uh, fans think they improved more than they did. So we're going to touch on our teams. Obviously, we might touch on uh, Toronto because we do like to talk about them and, and other teams that rankings we, we might disagree with. But um, yeah, Ottawa. He, he sort of had a bar for what public opinion thought and what the fans thought. Yeah, and just Ottawa, give me a I'm going to pull them up. Okay. I'm going to pull up the graphic. Yeah, it's easier to see it for all the visual learners like me out there. It's much better. Sorry, where's Vancouver ranked? I just went through the whole thing and I can't 25. find it. 25. 25? Okay. Sorry, but yeah, you were saying about Ottawa, Pat? Yeah, so if we can pull up Ottawa in a second. Uh, they're ranked 21st and Sens fans generally think the higher of the Sens than public opinion that would make sense, but it would also make sense for Sens fans to think higher of them after the season they had, getting Dadanov, getting Galchenyuk, uh, drafting Stutzel, uh, drafting Sanderson, and, and having the offseason they did. Um, we can debate how well they manage their assets and, and all of that, but I think it would make sense for Sens fan to think higher. Although, yeah, like it doesn't mean that Ottawa is going to be a much better team. They're probably going to be a lottery team, or they could surprise if they're if goaltending and shooting percentage goes way up. But again, it makes sense for the fan base to be confident i don't think that's like a knock on, on well them. yeah no i i just the things that stick out to me which i'm like I, I confused about a little bit um you know obviously uh public opinion is really down in the areas where you would expect it to the trading and the roster building and free agency just because you know they don't make a lot of waves in those uh facets of the of hockey and they haven't for the past few years but I'm really shocked, really shocked. Well, I'm not that shocked, actually. I'm more so just disappointed (laughs) at the fans. Like they're overly confident, I think, in the roster building right now and uh, and in the vision of the team, just because, you know, they have committed to rebuilding now and they've been on that path for three years strong now. But, you know, this team right now is not any better than it was last year and stuff like that. So I think it's hard to say that the roster building has, you know, Pierre Dorian's done anything to convince me that they're much better 
drafting and developing, obviously I'm not surprised that the fans think that highly of them. You know, Ottawa's done a good job of finding good players later in the draft and they've proven that. But I think you just have to look at the past two drafts to see they've been reaching on a lot of guys and nobody in their current era uh, under Trent Mann, I think he's been the head scout now since 2017. They really don't have any full-time NHL players yet from that group, except for Brady Kachuk. And that was sort of a layup at fourth overall. Obviously, you know, you're expecting that Stutzla and Sanderson are going to be impact NHL players, which I'm sure they are. But, you know, there's still a lot out here in terms of judging the Senators. The jury's still out on them. So I, I don't know. The new generation of Senators fans is extremely optimistic. Well, I'm not so much, but can I, I don't know ask, if you guys have any thoughts on that. I want to ask you, Nick, if you look at the bottom, change in confidence over the last year, um, fan base, not public, fan base confidence is way up. Why do you think that is? I think is it's that- just because the Senators played better this year. You know, they weren't that much better. Uh, standings-wise from 2018-19 compared to 2019-20. But you can tell, and I think you guys in the few games that Ottawa played against Montreal or Vancouver that you watched, you know, the Senators were a bit of a tougher team to play against. But I also think a lot of that is how they've marketed the team in Ottawa. And, you know, like I just said, they didn't actually do that much better in the standings this season despite the fact that they were a worse team, you know, they didn't have Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle this year. So yeah, they deserve some credit there, but you know, they, they've really done a good job of hyping themselves up in the city and to the NHL as being the underdogs. And that's fine. But I think people are starting to read into that too much because I'm now starting to see, I saw something on Twitter today. Um, so people are starting to suggest the senators will be, you know, not a lottery team next year and inching closer towards the playoff bubble, which I don't agree with at all. I think they're at least due for another lottery pick next year because, you know, the roster still isn't good, but I, the fan opinion is definitely up based on the fact that they are supposedly tougher to play against. Well, um, that's why the, and not, we don't have to get into drafting, but that's why the Sanderson pick is very strange. And I was talking about some friends yesterday. Look, next year is, is there are so many defensemen next year uh, who you, you can make a top five out of just defensemen if you really wanted to. And picking Sanderson at five, when you're probably going to be a lottery team, they're definitely gonna be defensemen that fall next year. Seems a little strange, but I would understand if you sign Dadnov, who is relatively a marquee free agent who can score 30 definitely, goals, definitely a marquee get him. Free agent. You, you have a low-risk move, such as Alex Gauchanyuk. You continue to build on Brady Kachuk's success. You sign Matt Murray. Drafting aside, you have to look at the additions and then the signings he's made. He hasn't really mismanaged the cap. Uh, okay, well, Branson, that's a questionable move. But aside from the, the additions he's made, you can't – I don't know how anyone can look at this roster and say it's worse or slightly better. It's much better when you add those pieces, but being much better doesn't mean you're not – uh, I, I'm still iffy on team. that just because they, I don't think they've supplemented the bottom half of the lineup so well, uh, right. you know, bring in a guy like Austin Watson, you know, the right side of the defense right now is sites of uh, good Branson and Josh Brown. Like the, that's just not good. That's, that's no a bottom tier NHL defense. So I, I don't know. The Ottawa is such a weird case because you can see why fans are optimistic because they just drafted two guys that are going to be impact players going forward for them. They've already got some good talent coming up that's here in Kachuk and they, and Shabbat. And they've got guys on the way like a Brandstrom, 
uh, Batherson, Norris. Like they do have good players and the senators are going to be a playoff team in a couple of years at least, but I I'm still, I, I need to see it happen because they were a playoff team three years ago and look how quickly that fell off. I, I, for me, at least I would need to see how the process plays out and get a better right. judgment of it because I don't think we can still judge the job Pierre Dorian has done as a general manager. Cause all he's done is tear the team down. It's right now next season and going forward, how we're that's going to tell us what exactly the senators have done uh, and how management is in building a team that's going to yeah. tell us and i we talked about that when we had the guests for fans added on was you know the draft and you know the easy part was tearing it down the easy part was getting assets because people are going to buy on or are going to take on uh, pajot for example that's not really the rough part it's it's what he does now now that he has stutzel now that he has kachuk sanderson shabbat now that he has a base it's how he builds the roster around that and it's not like that like look they were well under the cap i don't think i'm surprised cap management is that low but maybe that in, in part is because of the good branson pick but regardless um oh i was looking at the i was looking at toronto excuse me sorry but um either <laughs> then it's it's how they it's how they do it going forward he did the easy part he got the he had the good draft picks and we can debate how he drafted but um Adding Dadnov, uh, adding adding a goalie, a starter in Murray when when look Ottawa didn't really have one. I think it's fine. And you know when I say better, I mean on paper I'd say they're a better team. But again, they're still probably a lottery team. But that doesn't mean they didn't improve. Um, yeah. No. You know what? Before we move on here, I've sort of you know crapped on and sort of downplayed it. You know they do deserve some credit because Dadnov I think is going to be a really exciting player to watch next year, and I'm really excited to see what he's able to do for the senators. I think Matt Murray is going to improve from last year and he'll be another really interesting story to follow because, you know, the senators may or may not now have finally a really quality starting goalie that can take over from what Craig Anderson used to be for them. So Dorian does deserve some credit in those aspects. He's done good there, but you know, I, I I'm still very, very, very skeptical compared to what apparently the fan base thinks of this team. So, right. I guess um, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Let's touch on, let's touch on Montreal now. So, Again, basically the same. Uh, Montreal was ranked 14th, by the way. Ottawa was 21. And what the the comment we have here is Habs fans generally think much higher um, of the Habs than, than public opinion. Um, Illusional, maybe? Um, I don't know. But let's... Uh, certain aspects of it, maybe. I don't, Pat, you can talk us through this. Uh, so, yeah, they were ranked fourth overall in trading, which I've said it before. Um, look, Mark Bergevin does a lot of things that irritate me and... Um, I think it's sort of the mindset he has and, and some of the way that they draft that that bugs me. But he's done very, very well in trading, um, aside from the Sergachev and, and Drouin trade, which, again, there's yet to be a winner, I think, because they're both so inconsistent. Uh, he won the Pacioretty trade. At this point, you could probably argue he won the Subban trade. He won the Galchenyuk trade, given what Galchenyuk became. And, you know, stealing Deneau away from Chicago uh, and add, adding Romanov as well. I understand why trading would be so high. Um Again, cap management, I don't think is an issue because it's not like the bad contracts he handed out has really made them, it hasn't made it difficult for him to move on from other contracts. A lot of the assets Montreal has are relatively liquid and they can move on from a lot of the forward contracts they have. Their highest paid forward, their forwards are Josh Anderson and Jonathan Drouin at 5.5. Everyone else is getting is getting less. So um, I, I'm surprised that draft and develop is so high. Uh, again, Montreal has, has has a tendency of, of developing players pretty poorly. So um, again, I think this is fine, but 
I would understand why the fan base's uh, opinion on them is so high, but I do think that the team definitely improved and there's no reason to think it didn't, in my opinion. But Luke, I'm sure you're going well, to rip into the Montreal Well, no, I just, right I think, I think uh, like trading obviously really stood out to me. Um, these Montreal fans, now I know they didn't, they didn't explicitly say Montreal is the fourth best team for trading in the league. I know that's not how that's, this worked, but the end results had them graded fourth best team in the league for trading, which I think is a bit silly. Um, cap management is also quite a bit higher than public opinion. So is roster building. And I mean, everything just is. about everything really. I mean. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I would agree more so with, uh, with the public opinion as a member of the public and not as a member of the fan base. So I guess that works out, but what's wrong with the cap management? Well, no, I'm I'm just saying, like, or do you mean re- specific contracts? Because they're not pressed up against the cap, okay, and they have. You know, there are some contracts on Montreal that I know, but I think of. that's. But again, you could. I feel like that's a different. That's that's more. I feel like that's more in line with, with roster building. But cap management, it's not like they're the main. I don't think that's. I don't think. I, no, I don't. I, I don't think so. I, I I don't agree with that. I think I think cap management is directly towards how you're handling your salary cap, aka the contracts you're giving out. That's what I think. I think, I think that's anyone part of it. I think, I think anyone that just signed Josh Anderson to that contract shouldn't be ranking their team 4.0 on cap management. Yeah, if we're basing it on the contracts, like I, I would consider him to be much lower on that, just because of. Uh, the defense he's committed so much money to the defense and a That's bunch true. of them are older aging guys um you know so that one where, where they have them in the league there was that eighth yeah eighth in cap management yeah i'd, I'd probably have them closer down towards 17th the public but, opinion um and for me i think the roster building i think uh i don't know it depends it, it's hard to say because i'm not looking at all the other teams right now but just for how he's done the defense i think you know, rightfully deserves some knocks um, on the team. But I still think so much of what we see with Montreal is recency bias, because if they are sitting at home watching the bubble last year, I think we're rating them a lot lower or the fan base at least is rating them a lot lower. Well, yeah, but obviously there would be, if you're looking at, if you're looking at how they played in the bubble, of course it's going to change and how they played in the bubble arguably impacted Right. So, so if there was like a normal season, right. They don't make the playoffs and they have to watch the playoffs from home. Like just, you know, non COVID sure. world. I think, I think the fan base is a, not as kind to Ben. I would agree. And I think they're more kind because a lot of people seem to be making, seem to be thinking that Montreal's play in the play-ins, um, the playoffs against Philly and uh, Pittsburgh that's part that's in part why to was able to wanted to sign there. That's in part why Josh Anderson was so committed to signing a long-term deal. A lot of that people think is because of the um, plans, but regardless, I would have free agency a lot, lot, lot lower. And um, again, this goes back to the Ben Sherratt signing. I know Carl Alsner, Ben Sherratt signing. Um, Edmondson. Edmondson. Those are the ones that really, really stick out to me as just, speaks to Bergevin's inability to evaluate defensemen for whatever reason, left-handed defensemen, because he's really done a good job on the right side, having Weber, Petrie, uh, someone like Kale Fleury or Noah Juleson, Romanov who might play the right side. I think that's the issue, but I, I really think the left side, that's an issue. Um, I think the contracts he hand out, hands out is in part cap management, but I also look at Montreal salary cap over the years. They've never been really pressed against the cap. They haven't been stuck. They haven't had any, um, 
contracts that stopped them from moving other pieces. They've never needed help cap wise. Um, and you look at all the contracts they have Tatar, uh, Toffoli, Byron, Dano, Armia, uh, Lekkinen, those are all movable deals. And I don't think, I think that's why cap management should be a little bit higher. Vision is the one that I've sort of criticized Montreal endlessly. Uh, we can go back to our very first episode of Take the Take, what they were doing. Are they winning with Price and Weber right now? If so, they need to build around them or are they going to wait until the prospects they have are good? And by the time they're good, Price and Weber are probably going to be done. So I'd have vision I'd have vision and free agency much lower, but overall, um, it probably is recency bias because this offseason, he, he added basically what he thought everything he, he added everything he thought Montreal needed to help. But Can I ask you, um, well, there's a number of teams on this list, just based off a quick skim I've done, that fan base change in confidence over the last year is is like very, very high. Minnesota, Detroit, Dallas, and Montreal all stand out. Um, Minnesota is kind of a question for me. Uh, Dallas and Detroit kind of makes sense, but... Do you agree with with Montreal's change in confidence from their fan base to be like if you, if you can see it there, um, I it's like I don't know maybe eighty five ninety percent. I wouldn't go a full ninety. I would probably go about a seventy five, maybe a seventy. Really? Um, Just okay. But and I and I only say that and we don't have to talk about. I think Minnesota definitely because Minnesota had an unbelievable draft and I think that's why the change of heart was there for Minnesota. Detroit, I'm still sort of iffy on. I'm not really sure. I know they're in the process of rebuilding. They're a rebuild that I find kind of strange. I like the, the the Lucas Raymond pick, but their other later picks weren't the best value. I think Minnesota, I would com- completely understand. In a similar si- situation in Montreal, being just unbelievably average, getting the draft picks you did. But in Montreal's case, I think, I think public opinion, and I don't want to make it seem like I don't trust the other public opinion compared to myself, but I'm o- I only say this because Montreal added what they needed in a backup. They added who Bergevin thinks is is a good defenseman and then adding two top six right wingers along with the success that Montreal centers had. I think that's why people have them ranked so high. Again, remains to be seen how they perform. Of course, Josh Anderson could flop. Of course, Joel Edmondson can be just as bad. And of course, Jake Allen can be just as crappy, but I tend to think that it will go the other way for them. If that answers your question. Good. You want to pull up Vancouver? Yeah, Vancouver. Maybe the most sane, um, fan base out of the three here oh, okay okay they uh vancouver Canucks fans a lot of red hate their team pretty obvious you know, I think they, uh, you know what i am I I, i'm reasonably encouraged by that you know like i i'm i i'm glad they did that you know luke you're like right this is probably i this was the most realistic fan base because you look at the season they just had and the amount of optimism especially from some people in the media and if you look at the fan base ratings there, they speak for themselves. The Canucks fans are still very pessimistic about this team, which I think is extremely fair of them. Uh, you can talk us through it a bit here. Uh, why are they rating this team so low after the season they just had? Well, let me tell you. Cap management, um, they've placed themselves 30th overall. I think that makes total sense. I, I wouldn't have the time to go through all the other teams that would be around them, but I think cap management kind of goes without saying this off season and the next off season is going to be just quite a, quite an experience for Canucks fans. And um, a lot is going to change as we've already seen over the past, I don't know, month or so um, free agency as well. I think you could point at certain players that would result in this 1.7 30th overall uh, result. 
I, I mean, I, I think we can all, we can all think of a few that are, that are causing that with their $6 million contracts, but uh, vision, I don't, I don't really understand, to be honest, what that criteria is. Uh, Cause I think that kind of encompasses everything here. Trading stands out to me a bit because uh, I, I wouldn't, I, I would expect Vancouver to kind of be in the middle of the pack with trading. They've made some fine trades. They've made some bad trades. Uh, they, uh, yeah. Okay. Now that I think about it, maybe a bit, a bit uh, below average, but drafting and development is the big one for me. I totally understand how public opinion is 4.0 fourth overall. Uh, I get that. And this is the only one that the fan base kind of surprised me with. Cause as a member of said fan base, I thought drafting and development was, um, was pretty highly touted from, from Canucks fans. I think the only, maybe one of the bigger reasons this is low, it's not low, but one of the bigger reasons it's 15 overall is um, how Benning specifically has been involved with drafting and development and how uh, Judd Brackett has been involved with drafting and development. So I think, um, I think this one is maybe a bit skewed by, by, I don't know, recent events in the past year or so. So I drafting and development is one that will be interesting to see what. Yeah. F- is it year. fair to say it's Pedersen and Hughes that are bending the curve on uh, drafting and development? Because obviously those are two of the massive think- success stories, given the fact that, you know, they got passed on each by a couple of teams and, you know, basically fell into Vancouver's lap and they made the right decision. Uh, when they easily too could have passed on guys, but it, it just as you can say that you can say, you can look at a guy like Ollie Ulevi, like another like high pick yeah. that has, they've completely yeah. whiffed on to this point. Right. Yeah. Like if you, if you look at their past, I don't know, five years, um, Pedersen and Hughes, obviously, like, I think that that goes without saying that that brings that number up massively Brock Besser at 23rd. That's a that's a pretty solid pick. All good things, but then yeah, like you said, you look at you Levy, um, and you look at uh, you look at kind of the rest of those three or four picks. Like everyone else that Vancouver's drafted, no one is really there. There's a few there's a few guys on def- defense that, um, you know, I think we're gonna find out this year. But aside from those big home runs, it's it's not great. It's just kind of meh. If I if I can touch on Benning, I feel like, and I I have I have some friends who are uh, Canucks fans, and when when talking you. about, you're welcome. Three for three. I really need to, I need to calm down today. Uh, but and I feel like with Benning, it's always oh he's bad at trading but good at drafting. And mm-hmm. the Canucks fans I've talked to, and the one what I've read and what I've noticed about Jim Benning is. Uh, I don't think he's good at trading and I think he's subpar to bad at drafting. And from everything I've seen and from interviews with Benning, he loves the CHL guys. Whereas a lot of the the success of their drafting has been from Thomas Graden, Graden. How do you say his name? Uh, one of their scouts, Graden, Graden. I'm not anyway. sure. Or... Uh, and, and, and bracket because yeah. their hits have been the Europeans and the Americans. And you can go back to their drafting, yeah. you know, Hoglander was a hit, but then someone like, Ethan Keppen, who has yet to play an NHL game, that's a miss. And and a lot of uh, my Canucks fan friends who who dislike Benning, they say he's not he's not the reason they draft well. Weren't there plenty of rumors that he didn't want Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes, and that was yeah. influence from 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 Bracket to actually get those highly skilled players? So I think Benning has sort of had a lot of he's his 
he's looked better because of his surroundings when it's really the people around him that so are making him look as, better. So like you, you guys yeah. both know drafting um, and prospects better than me as the first bracket list draft just passed for Vancouver. Would you say it was, it was still a, a maybe not a success, but still a, a reasonable draft. And it's, it's a bit tricky to say that because they didn't this have past draft. Yeah. They didn't have a first uh, round pick. They also didn't have a second round pick. So there was not really a chance to, to swing well, on a Pedersen or Hughes, but. Well, he didn't go with any CHL guys. I'm looking at it now. It's uh, they, again, Minnesota high school, USHL, and then Yoni Irmo, the, the left-handed defenseman. That seems like a, the kind of player that Vancouver would get. I, I had a lot of people who wanted Vancouver to get Yoni Irmo. Again, there are risks with that pick and it's a third, it's a third round pick. Like, you know, I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt, but also be be cautiously optimistic because he is a good puck mover. So this was a good draft without um, bracket. But, but you again, also have to consider bracket was with them for a good chunk right. of years. So it's like, right. So you kind of, I think next year's draft, if Vancouver yeah. changes their personnel, then we could have that discussion. But again, like I like the Pacolson pick. I like the Hoglander pick. Um, Hughes was a gift. Uh, Patterson, again, he was someone that people didn't like because he was he's all right like eh? a center. Yeah, he's okay. I, I, he's who okay. was it? Was it Manny Elk? I saw a tweeted a joke about Pud Colson the other day, calling him the Russian Kurt Lazar. And like <laughs> I laughed really hard at that, but you know, I'm sure he'll yeah. be good. But I, you know, back to the drafting developing quickly, just before we move on, you know, I, I would certainly hope that the Canucks would be highly rated in that and the fan base thinks so because I, I feel like that's the thing I've heard most about Canucks fans. I'm not that plugged into Vancouver on the internet, but that seems like the management has hyped that up to be really their bread and butter. And what they want to do is draft and develop players in house. So, um, you know, there, there should, should be a lot of hype around that. And you'd hope that they're going to continue to do uh, yeah. good in that department, given how much they like to talk about that, but obviously free agency rightfully down low and cap management rightfully yeah. down low. So, you know, the next summer or two uh, after this are going to be really interesting because that's when the big boys start to come up and we're going to have to, they're going to have to find a way to pay them. I'm surprised vision was low by the fan base because Besser. What, what is that? Like what vision? What I like just again, how, how they're I always moving forward. relate everything back to Toronto or the Rangers and their model for their blueprint for a rebuild, not only vocalizing it, but clearing everything out, being bad, getting high picks. Vancouver was lucky with their, with their higher picks because teams let Hughes fall and, and Patterson, a lot of people knew would be this good, but I think it's how you see them going forward. And I think the Toffoli trade was good, regardless of what happened after and them not being able to resign him. The Toffoli trade was good. And, and it's about if they're able to surround those players, why do you surround think, Quinn Hughes. Why do you think mm-hmm. the Toffoli trade was good? Okay, so listening back to our old shows, you had said it was a really short-sighted move. I don't think it's a short-sighted trade. I still think I th- it's a short-sighted move. I, I, think, I think if you are going to make that trade, you have to be very sure that you can re-sign him. And that has to be, they, I think they need to um, allocate enough resources to do that. It's the fact that they didn't sign him. It's easy to look, if they signed him for a similar contract yeah. that Montreal did, would you think that was a short-sighted trade? But I, you get rid of a... Yeah, I guess not. But, but I think it's a reasonable expectation of Benning to see what, what this offseason is. Well, actually, that was made pre-COVID. So I guess there is some slack there. Um because he would have expected, you know, the the cap to, well, to do it, was it usually. Schaller, Madden, and a two a or three. 
Okay, Something so like Tim Schaller doesn't really matter. The shot and the Schaller thing was actually a bit of a cap relief. Uh, right. Nothing so, major, but so I think I think the vision itself is how you surround, and I'll relate it to New York and the Leafs. How are you going to surround your core players? Hughes, Besser, Patterson. Can you surround them with the talent? And looking at Vancouver's bottom six, it's not that great if they can surround them. I like their defense though. Schmidt, Hughes, uh, Edler, who has one more year left. Like it's how they're able to surround these guys because you know. Patterson and Bester can only carry them so far. So I think that's what goes into vision. And if they can sort of, and I've, I've talked about it, if teams can be on the same trajectory right now, Toronto is on a trajectory to win. I think the expectation is hopefully start to win around this year and then hopefully go on to the cup in a couple of years. Um, Montreal's trajectory is very strange at the moment. And, and I've tried to sort of piece that together, but I think that's what it looks at. And if you can look at the Canucks and say, okay, building on this roster, can they compete legitimately in two years? Do you think they can? If building correctly, yeah. If building correctly, yes. Uh, but I think that's the big question. I don't. I don't think the question is. I don't think, and I'm not saying you are, but I don't think you can be as general as will the Canucks win a cup in the next two to four years? Um, because if if they manage well, I think it's pretty clear they have the assets right. in hand to make that happen, or at least make a good push. So the question is, what is going to happen um, from upper management in this well i i think maybe this yeah this offseason and especially um right. next offseason i think pittsburgh is a team where you could look at vision and say their vision is good but the way they go about their vision is not good and i'm talking specifically this year their vision is to win the cup every year and surround crosby and malcolm with the best players possible how they go about it is the issue nick oh yeah no because they're trading and their free agency would be near the bottom of the league for me right now, but I think their vision would be one of the best in the league because, you know, they've got the main pieces to try and win hockey games, but they just don't go about it well, like you said. So uh, we can go quickly into Toronto a bit here because I know uh, this is another really divisive one, right? Um, You know, the fan base, obviously really kind to them. You know, you sort of get that sense that people, um, and especially the type of people that would be reading the athletic are really big fans of Kyle Dubas and what he does. Um, and look at that. They rated him high, very high in pretty much every category. Surprised um, they rated him so high in cap management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the big, uh, that was questionable for me. Um, but the public opinion, obviously much worse, especially in cap management. That was the biggest discrepancy 23 verse nine. Um, I know a lot of people point aired. I think it was Dom who pointed out after that said, you know, Dubas constructed a team with no bad contracts. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. It, like, yeah, there's no like players on like god awful deals that you look at and you say, wow, like need to get rid of that guy and money immediately. But I think um, at the end of the day, they probably have more slight overpayments than everybody in the NHL. I think you can say that because um, they're overpaying Marner. They're probably going to overpay Tavares for the majority of the deal. They probably should have at least tried to get Matthews cheaper than when they did, but at least he's yep. a good player and he's worth the money. Um and, you know, who knows who knows what's going to happen now because uh, I know Morgan Riley's only got a couple of years left, and I think it's really in the next year or so where we're going to get to see what Kyle Dubas does because he, he's got to change a lot on the fly here. He's going to have to continue to do that as long as he has the big four under wraps. You know, they're going to have to get a new starting goalie at some point. They just don't have the money to do that right now no. and- um, in the flat cap world. So they, we're really – I know a lot of people said it was the signing the big three that was going to be a true testament to what his capabilities are as a GM. I 
disagree. I think it's really the next year or so that's going to tell us how good of a GM Kyle Dubas is when he has to go out and find a new starting goalie and get a top pairing defenseman locked up without having a huge upgrade in cap. Like that's going to be yep. the test. Uh, I agree with about everything you said. And I'm again, trading. I feel like trading being so low. Look, I can't think of a time Dubas completely like with the exception of the Tyson Berry, Nazem Kadri uh, trade. That's one that you can say Dubas definitely whiffed on, no question. But aside from that, I can't think of a trade that he was really fleeced on. And Nick, I'm not sure if you can, aside from the Barry Kadri one, I, I can't think of one where it's like, wow, uh, Dubas got absolutely fleeced there. And I think, um, again, I'm not surprised that the fan base has <laughs> has them rated so high. Um, again, the Taveras contract, I'm finally seeing a lot more people on, on major networks talk about whether or not the, the Taveras contract was a mistake and stuff like that. But for Toronto vision, I think vision should be a lot higher. Cause I think we know what the vision is. And I don't really think uh, if you can, if we can pull up the cap shortly cap management, I think is where it should be. And I'm looking at it now. And when we can pull it up in a second, I'll sort of just touch on it. I think the, the Dubas's short shortcomings are his inability to, or inability, maybe just he overlooks the defensive position. And I think they want to be this all offensive team all the time. And while he has built a good roster and while Brody is a good signing, I, I think there are still, Harry, did you send me something about the Leafs cap? I don't have anything. Uh, I might not have. If, no, never mind. I, I, I um, can. And I can in just a couple seconds. Anyway. No, it's um, fine. We can just talk about it. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it's what he does after it's, you know, th- their entire bottom six, I think with the exception of one, are all UFAs next year. That's the definition of a band-aid move. And we know that's what he had to do. We've talked about the bottom six. That's what he had to do given the circumstances, but he, what's, it's what he does after it's what he does when Frederick Anderson's a free agent. It's what he does, um, you know, with all those defensemen that that's the test. I think, I think for me, another key thing for me back to the contracts, you know, we can talk about the fact that do the Leafs have any, a lot of people are saying, do they have any bad contracts? no, but I think the one thing that really separates their cap management from other teams is on the complete flip side. Do they have any bargain contracts? Has Kyle Dubas signed a bargain contract since he left? No, no, I don't think so. I think the closest thing he has to that is Nylander and Nylander's about market value. I would say um, he has not signed besides what Jason Spezza, he has not locked up somebody on a bargain deal. No. Whereas, you know, you look at, a team like Boston, they've got their three best players on bargain deals. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. So well, uh, if we can, here, I, I sent it to you. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Luke. Quickly, just well, I, I, Pat, you, you specified, but, you know, you can see it for yourself. They, oh, yeah. Oh, Nick, Nick jumped a bit there. Um, Pat, you specified like that Toronto is an offensive heavy team. I think that's pretty clear. And I've always said Toronto, they're just kind of throwing money at their uh, at their stars, at their individual stars, um, and hoping hoping they're gonna they're gonna perform and, and bring that team success. Do you think and this is kind of a, a multi-sided question? Do you think that offensive focus in Toronto, do you think that's the intention of management? Do you think that's kind of just come about naturally? And do you think that's a that's a fair and like that that's a reasonable route to take or or is that just totally short-sighted when it comes to kind of leaving your defense behind um i think the way 
Dubas specifically has added defenseman has been good. I do I do not think whatsoever that TJ Brody is the savior, and I'm not as hyped up about him as other Leafs fans have been. But I think he's done well in adding pieces, adding Muzzin, um, adding Brody. Uh, I'm assu- he drafted Sandine, I'm pretty sure, because Lou Lou would have been gone. But again, the pieces he did, but it's how those become managed after. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being a top heavy team, but there are a lot of people arguing now, if you don't sign Tavares, you have more money to allocate towards defensemen and have bottom six forwards. And I guess my issue isn't with, with the Matthews contract. Um, It's more the Marner contract specifically, but again, to answer your question, no, I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing to to be an offensive team. Um, But I think the way they play, you can be an offensive team and be good defensively. Toronto has pieces to be good defensively despite being so good offensively, I just think they don't play a style that okay. enables them to... I have a question. Sorry, if that, does that make sense? Yes, and that's led me into a hypothetical. And this is, I understand this is an extremely broad and possibly unfair hypothetical. But the Leafs roster, what it is right now today, including Brody, um, just to note that, including that, that addition on defense, would you rather have, or w- would it make Toronto more competitive to have that roster to have Tavares or to subtract Tavares and have Petrangelo. It's hard to say, but I'm, and I'm going to say this without looking into any stats. So please don't hold this against me in future episodes. If Petrangelo uh, completely does poorly, but I'm going to say Petrangelo. I, I, I do think, I think adding Petrangelo, I, and, and looking at Matthews's numbers and I know we like to make fun of Leafs. Matthews is really good. <laughs> like he is very good. And I think there's potential, maybe not Malkin level, but I do think he can get to a certain point where he is just unstoppable. And I thought for me, the playoffs really did it. Um, whereas Marner and, and Tavares, I thought were really inconsistent. Matthews was on his game and he was playing physical. He was playing smart. He was playing much better defensively and he's improved a lot. And I also think you can, you can ride out Matthews and maybe put Nylander at center or sort of ha- pay for a secondary two C that isn't making also $11 million. And I think if you had Petrangelo in that spot, you add Petrangelo with Muzzin and Riley and, I guess you wouldn't have Brody at that point, no, but but that's what I'm saying with Brody, like the with team Brody, then yeah, right, with right then, now, yes, because I think I think that's what Toronto needs. They need that big defenseman who can shut them down. And again, this isn't a knock on Tavares. I think Tavares has been very good for Toronto, but I, I haven't seen the John Tavares from Long Island in Toronto. I feel like it's just been a different version of him. And and for me, I think I think not having Tavares, not that it's a bad contract, but it's not the best contract. And I think they could they could focus on defense, and I feel like they kind of overlook it. And look, you have Zach Hyman to resign next year, and he's one of your best defensive forwards, who's really underrated. And if we can pull up the cap one more time, Nick, if you don't mind, the bottom six—that's that's literally a band aid. Okay, they so are all they are all UFAs except for um, Nicholas Robertson. What are you are you going to bring back all of those guys? Are you going to sign Spezza to another team friendly deal? What's the plan there? And I think it speaks to the Tavares contract. So, yeah, to answer your question, yes, no Tavares and a better defenseman would make Toronto a better team. Yeah, at the end of the day, Tavares was supposed to be what put them over the top, and we haven't seen that yet. So, I again, the jury is still out, uh, I think, with regards to Toronto who, and the job. Who was Do you guys defense? agree with that? Yeah, I probably would. Um, who was their defense core when Tavares signed the contract two, two summers ago or whatever? I don't know, but Zaitsev was in it. Um, <laughs> Hainsey was still there. Like, but I don't think it was very good, right? 
Or was Hainsey still there? I don't know. It wasn't good. And it's gotten better. And Dubas has improved it. But again, long term. Think, I don't think about that much, I swear. But thinking back on it now, you'd almost think with let's look with, it. I'll pull it up. with Matthews and Marner and Nylander and all those guys that you know, like you have a pretty good idea what they're going to turn into. Why sign Tavares? when you look at your defense that aren't very it, it was a home I, it was a home run or no not even a home run it was a grand slam swing like that's that's what it was and you know anytime you can add a player that quality to your organization you go out and try and do it but at the end of the day i think you know this is a team that at the end they should have won a cup by now uh and after that move they should have won a, cup won a playoff the, round the first by now. year they signed to Varys. they should have won a playoff round they should have won a stanley cup by now like really um, compared to some of the other, you know, young cores we've seen in the NHL that have been cup winners, uh, you know, Pittsburgh won pretty much immediately with Crosby and Malkin. Uh, Chicago won pretty much immediately with Taves and Kane. LA was a bit later in the process, but, you know, they did win two cups pretty early on in their window. And I think, mm. you know, Toronto is going an opposite route of that. And it's not impossible, not at all impossible to win a cup after that. But, you know, it definitely does get harder and they should have uh, they should have at least won a Stanley Cup already. And it's even more shocking that they haven't won a playoff round already. But uh, I, yeah, I, I don't have too much more to say on the Leafs. Uh, I, just to add one more thing, because I'm looking at it now. You had Martin Marincin, you had Ron Hainsey, Justin Holt, Jake Gardner, Zaitsev, Roman Polak, Morgan Raleigh. That was sort of the, the throughout the entire season. That's and, not good. No, That's it's not good. good. And let's get to let's just get to it, because I feel like we're all kind of not really touching on it. And I'll ask you guys right now, was signing John Tavares a mistake? I don't think you can say that fairly. Yet. Nick makes a good point. It's, that... it's not a mistake because he scored 46 goals in his first season. And he's yeah. still at a point per game this season. You can't, you can't label it a mistake but, because Tavares is so, so, so good. But, but there were other aspects of the roster that they could have, yeah, you know, right. looked to do different things with. But at the end of the day, we're like, we've still got to see what Dubas is able to do next year because now, now he's got the defense he wants and he's got Tavares and the big three. So I, I think next year is a better judgment, but I don't think you can label uh, signing Tavares a mistake just because he's been so good for Toronto. Would. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a mistake because he's been good, but I think. Were there better options? Yes. And I think rating the contract, I wouldn't, I would probably, but again, like like, hey, Patrick labeled earlier, like should the senators have drafted Sanderson because of the draft next year, I don't think you can make decisions always looking to one or two years ahead. I think, you know, you got to look at, you kind of have to though. No, but I think, I think you've sometimes got to look in the present because you've got, you know, they, they didn't have a guarantee that Petrangelo was going to be available two years ago. No, but um, they didn't have a guarantee because I think if you asked any of us two years ago, we all would have said Petrangelo would resign in St. Louis easily, but, especially after they won the Stanley Cup. I think we all would have said that. Same thing with drafting. I don't think you can say, um, should we draft a guy this year? Because we don't know, they don't know what position they're going to be in next year in the draft. Like you've got to make moves a lot of the time focused on what's ahead. It's easy to say, wow look what's available in a couple of years, but you but just I, don't know how the landscape. But I think change. when you look at your team and you've got a young Austin Matthews, a young Mitch Marner, a young William Nylander, and then you look at your defense and your defense is not good. And you go out and sign John Tavares when you're like, you know what, in a few years, we're going to need help on defense. I think that's a reasonable kind of projection to make. Yeah. You, you, you wouldn't have 
Petrangelo in your mind exactly, but you've got $10 million to spend on, on defense of some kind. I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think I would agree with you, Nick, if it wasn't so. Okay. If, if Ottawa did not sign Dadnov and they drafted Sanderson, then I'd be like, okay, look, next year is so defensive heavy, but because there's the chance that Ottawa is not a lottery team. And I don't, I don't think this is going to happen, but technically you don't know what can happen. If Marie gets hot, then I would question it. But with Toronto, it was all about Matthews, Nylander, Marner. That's, those were the three. Those were the three pieces and Morgan Riley and the issue. And everyone said, okay, defense, defense, defense. And he signs Tavares and Tavares has been great. But I think, I guess it depends on how far you look in the future. And I do credit him for signing Brody, even though I do think expectations for Brody are a little bit too high. Um, again, we will, uh, we'll see what happens with Toronto. Uh, an interesting, an interesting situation there. And I, I think we would all agree the test now for, for Dubas is not, wasn't signing the contracts. It wasn't, wasn't those deals. It's what he does next. Zach Hyman. Ne- next year is the biggest test because yeah. it's the contract years and it's, uh, it's finally the defense that he has said he wants. So, uh, then we can judge it. Uh, I don't know how quick we want to go through this. The NHL, the athletic also did an NHL player poll this week. Um, four questions, I believe just about next season, the logistics of it. You know, we've talked a lot about it. Um, what next season could look like. We'll get into updates with it after, uh, guys, 61.8% of players say, uh, they would be willing to do half a season or less in a bubble uh, another 32.4% saying they don't want to do a season in a bubble at all. What are we thinking on that? Well, I think, I think overall the poll kind of shows um, two things. They, they're not huge on a bubble half, half the season or less just kind of points at some kind of hybrid formation in some sense. And we're going to get to that in a second, what that could look like. Uh, even more than you've already talked about. But the biggest kind of unexpected part of this was, are you comfortable playing in front of fans? Yes, uh, just short of 80%. And you would have to assume that means basically, well, you know what? I don't want to say you have to assume, but because there's an option that says yes, but at a reduced capacity, you'd kind of have to think, well, that that straight up yes means, yeah, we, we, we're okay playing in front of fans. So that was a bit interesting. Um, overall, it it looks like it looks like obviously they they want to play. They they want to make this happen. And fifty eight point eight percent say you need at least fifty games to play a regular season, which I think is pretty possible. And again, we'll get to the news in a second. But yeah, it's it's a short poll, but it just kind of goes to show where where the players' heads are at. I. Bare minimum for a season, like you need around fifty games. Forty-eight would be my minimum. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. Yeah, I think fifty. I think the fact that some, that thirty-two percent said they wouldn't be willing to do a bubble. Um, they have to figure it out, and I'm, I I don't have much to say on this because I, I don't know what's going to happen. I know Ottawa, for example, talked about having some sort of reduced capacity. Um. And I think they've been the only team who really talked about it. I just think the NHL needs to make a fan, make a plan finally. And we saw last, last, not last year, but uh, when quarantine started, the NBA was the first to cancel. And then they were the first to sort of establish a return to play. And NHL needs to stay on top of that and just figure it out. 50 games, I think would be ideal. I think it looks like they're going to do a Canadian division and we're going to get to that shortly. Um, 
reduced capacity. I think we're seeing it in the NFL a little bit. That doesn't really look like it's reduced, but it still looks like there's a lot of play, a lot of fans there. I just think they have to get it right. And at this point, look, it's it's uh, November 12th. And if they're looking for a January 1st start date, figure it out shortly because, you know, the clock's... I definitely don't think we're seeing that in Canada. I think that's a foregone conclusion at this point. I think you can see reduced capacity. Full capacity, okay. I think you can see reduced capacity in the United States at some point. But, you you know, you, you don't know because... Joe Biden certainly doesn't seem like he's ready to thrust America or keep them going in the direction that they are headed under the current administration there. But, uh, you know, with Canada, at least it seems like they're more likely going to lock it down still or continue to keep things, uh, you know, the way they are, at least until there's a vaccine in place for COVID. Um, So I I still think it's empty arenas for now in Canada. Um, I don't think there's going to be any fans there. Um, The other fun tidbit of this uh, player poll was uh, the athletic did ask which players, which teams will be better or worse when the 2020, 2021 season begins. Uh, Montreal was the most voted team that got better. Uh, Six players voted Buffalo for Colorado for, I think that Colorado, um, and teams that got worse, Chicago led the way there with four votes. Again, not surprising. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on either of those. Well, Vancouver's in both columns, which is kind of neat. <laughs> uh, so who knows what that means? I um, I there's there's a few Detroit kind of kind of weird to me. Um, Calgary and Minnesota as well all got votes for. For getting better. Uh, that being said, Calgary also got a vote for getting worse. Uh, Chicago and Arizona and Vancouver all got multiple votes for getting worse as well. And I think um, those are all kind of fair. Uh, you guys know how I feel about Vancouver, but I, I'm surprised to see Edmonton in in getting worse. I know they didn't really yeah. address goaltending, but you added Cahoon. You'll have hopefully uh, Kyler Yamamoto for a full season. Um, Tyler Ennis and Kyle Turris, they sort of, they, they added more to their bottom six and that was the issue alleviating the, the top play from, from the top guys in McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, again, and, and to speak to Edmonton, look, I know cost, the Koskinen contract took a lot of heat and I know re-signing Mike Smith for whatever reason was strange, but Koskinen's actually been okay for them. Hasn't been great, but he, he hasn't been as, as terrible as people thought. And I'm really surprised that they are in got worse. I think they'd be a clear cut improvement. Um, Again, the Rangers, that's sort of part of the rebuild, but who knows what will happen there. I don't yeah, know. Uh, Someone Patrick, said mine. did you want to take us through the season update? Uh, I can. Well, yes, I can. Uh, so, um, 2020-2021 season update. Um it looks like there's going to be a reduced schedule. And I know we just talked about in the player polls, but Bettman said he will never ask players to return to a bubble for a full season. And if we can sort of just speak to it, we had some speakers in our class talk about what it was like in the bubble, how strict it really was. And I think we were all sort of surprised at, at what it was like to, to be in the bubble. Um, and if I can pull up a Bettman quote here, he said, you'll play for 10 to 12 days. Uh, Commissioner Bettman said in a virtual panel discussion during the 2020 uh international council summit you'll play a bunch of games without traveling you'll go back home for a week be with your family we'll have our testing protocols and all the other things you need um that's awesome and i think that's the perfect way to do it you don't want them in a bubble but you you have it set up in a way 
where they can see their family. They're not completely isolated. Yeah. And, and, and it's not like they're constantly traveling. There's, there's enough breaks between. What do you think? I'm cause that, that sounds like a pretty, like, a, yeah, I'm sure it'll work. All right. I, it, it seems like a safe bet. It seems a bit. Um, I just don't know how they're going to schedule that. That will be interesting that you, you play for 10 ish days and then you you go home for a week. So I guess they, they kind of stagger certain teams playing at certain times. And then if you've divided them up into divisions, which I'll just see Batman said, obviously we're not going to move all seven Canadian franchises South of the 49th parallel. So we have to look at alternative ways to play that it's pretty clear. He's saying uh, Canada is probably going to have a division. I don't really know. I don't really know how this hybrid bubble scheduling is going to work. It's going to have to be reduced. I think we know that, but I think if they're going with this route, it's going to be reduced quite a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if it's down around 50 games. Um, If they're starting on January 1st, like let's just do the math now. If they're starting on January 1st and they're saying uh, 10 days on seven off or whatever. So you're, you're playing maybe, maybe 10 ish games a month around there right 10 to 15 ish i don't know like who knows and on seven off wouldn't that be closer to 15 15 to well if if, but if you're wrong if you're playing how many games would you play in 10 days maybe six oh true i'm looking at compacting it yeah that's true it's true true. probably between 10 and 15 regardless if you're starting in january and going until let's say may uh that's about that's 50 to 60 games maybe so right who knows I mean, the NHL, they keep saying they're targeting January 1st training camps in mid-December. That's a month from now, and they haven't, they don't have anything in place. Yeah. Uh, I know, like, obviously, it's such a dynamic situation, and it's going to, it takes a lot of moving parts to get this happening, but I'm surprised, and maybe, maybe they are telling players stuff that we don't know, but I'm surprised they haven't really come up with anything concrete yet. What is interesting, and I think um, we've been hearing this for a while, teams that weren't in the initial return to play plan uh, at Nick, they will get an extra week of training camp. So just before we get to Nick real quick, I'll, I'll just cite Pierre Lebrun's and expand a little bit. He said, so yeah, they are looking for a January 1st target date. Um, again, mid December opening camps and then seven days. Yeah. So basically what you just said, I'm just repeating the same thing. Never mind. Um, but the fact that it's not written in stone, he also said, and finally, given the continued border restrictions, looking more and more like a 2020, 2021 Canadian division it's season begins with the Canadian division until they can figure out how to cross the border back and forth. Um, again, it's the fact that he keeps referencing the fact that nothing was decided. And I think, you know, like you said, Luke, it's a month from now. We don't know what the plan is. We know what the NBA's plan is, but we don't know what NHL's is. And they really have to figure this out because, again, we're not really sure how this is going to go. I think they, we yeah, they're sure they're sure pushing it close here with the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't know. I just in terms of having faith in the National Hockey League, you'd have to think that they've got more under control and in place than we would think. But it's it's pretty loose right now, from what we can tell. I think we would assume there's going to be a shortened season. And I think we would assume there's going to be a Canadian division. It's the logistics. It's the, the traveling, the bubble, the, the start date. I don't, I, again, it's cutting it pretty close. If, if they push to uh, January 1st, regardless, it's, it's exciting that we're starting to see despite how late it is some, uh, some progress in the start date. We've talked endlessly about what a Canadian division would be like, not only for the league and the NHL, but also our, 
our uh, respective relationships, which is a different discussion. But let's uh, let's let's move on. Let's do some let's do some fun stuff that also ruins relationships and gets us in trouble. And that's a tear maker. Um, it's the wonderful segment that we get roasted the most for. Yes. Um, Patrick, did you want to explain to everybody what today's tier list is going to entail? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, yeah, well, I so up. Just as I pull up what you sent me earlier. Um, so we like the tier lists and we like to alternate the tier lists with the, uh, with the, with the mock drafts. But this one, instead of doing jerseys, we're going to rank contenders, playoff teams, bubble teams on the outside and lottery teams. So teams For this that- upcoming season. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna rank yes. everybody based on where they're sitting right now because we yeah. you know we've talked about individual teams and their status a lot in terms of the fan base and the media today. Yes. So we thought this would go really well, as in you know based on the fact that the off season is pretty much done its peak period right now and teams look yep. pretty set headed into training camp for the most part. We are going to rank uh, where everybody sits after the free agent period. Um, so we've got contenders, good teams. So good teams are pretty much teams that are almost guaranteed a playoff spot, uh, playoff bubble teams that could miss teams that could get in. Wouldn't be surprised either way on the outside, you know, not quite there for the playoffs lottery teams, your bottom feeders, um, pretty self-explanatory stuff. This should be a good one. Uh, I, I assume it'll have less debate than the other ones, but still, would, you would, you would hope, you would, would hope, hope. <laughs> but you never know. Uh, We'll start with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, you know, they're a team that has drafted extremely well in the past couple of years. They definitely look like they are on the upswing. Uh, but Luke... But not this are they, year. Are, they, are the LA Kings still a lottery team yes, in your eyes? Still, yeah, there's, I, I don't disagree with you that they've drafted fine, sure. Like, yeah, they, they've, they're, they're looking good. But if we're talking about this upcoming season, there shouldn't be any reason to believe they're not going to be a lottery team, which honestly is the best thing for them. So, Patrick, they still a lottery team for you? Looking at their lineup now, um, and I'm also looking at their prospects, I would be terrified if they were a lottery team once again. But again, unless Kopitar can, you know, Kopitar, follow and Brown and Doughty for, I doubt it, but can get, get back to his form. Uh, and yeah, no, too many people that I'm, I'm hoping can get back to their form. So no, yeah. Lottery team. Easy. Yeah. You know, for me, they seem like a team that will, when they are good, they're going to jump from lottery team to playoff bubble really quick. But I think for the purposes of next year, they're definitely still in that position because I can't, you know, what Quinton Byfield's impact on them next year is going to be is to be determined. And, you know, a lot of, at least their big prospects are still at least a year or two away. So um, LA Kings probably still a lottery team next year. Uh, this team went from a contender to a bubble team really quick. Complete opposite. Nashville Predators, uh, guys. I'll start with you, Patrick. What's uh, what's Nashville? I want to say good team, and but I'm not going to because this year I thought they were just unlucky in their shooting and stuff like that. But I honestly think they're. Mm, but they're not so bad that you would put on the outs uh, playoff bubble playoff bubble team. That's my answer. Um, Yeah, I I would agree with that. Just uh, you got to look at the teams in their division, the central division right now. They're not better than Colorado or St. Louis for sure. I don't think they're better than Dallas and uh, you know, even a team like Minnesota slowly, but surely maybe making some ground on them. You know, I think Chicago's out of that conversation for now and Arizona when they do cross over isn't in that conversation, but 
just based on that, you know, fourth best team in the division at, on their best day, I that's pretty bubble for me, Luke. I think um, I was quite shocked when Patrick contemplated good team. I wouldn't put them anywhere near there. I think putting them in playoff bubble is even a bit generous. Uh, that being said, they're still mostly the Nashville Predators of the past few years. There isn't tons of reason to believe that they should be plummeting quite yet. So I would vote playoff bubble. But if you guys were convincing me to put them in on the outside, I would concede pretty easily. Well, we're, we're convinced you to put them in playoff bubble. So it seems like okay. well <laughs> there. Um, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, they are the hardest team to get a read on, at least for me in the National Hockey League, because sometimes you just expect them to fall completely on the outside and they end up being a good team. But uh, yeah, last year was definitely one of those cases for me. Made some good offseason acquisitions in Kyle Terris and uh, Tyler Annis. That's who the other one was. Uh, and Tyson Berry is another one that should be mentioned, but they didn't upgrade the goaltending. They were a bubble team last year, I would say. Uh, I, I, I'd probably put them around the same thing again. Uh, Luke, what about I'd you? I'd put them in good team. I think, I think even last year, they maybe should have been in good team. And I've made it pretty clear that I think they've gotten a lot better. I would put them in, in good team. I just, I uh, like uh, nowhere near contender. That's for sure. But putting them in playoff bubble, uh, that just doesn't seem right for, for the lineup. They they've got going into this year. I'd put them in good team. Patrick. Yeah, I agree with Luke. Good team. Uh, you add Kuhn, you, I just talked about earlier, but I, they're not, their goaltending and defense is not enough for me. And dry needs to work on his defense for me to put them in contenders. I think they're a good team. All right. Well, I'll, I'll concede. I'll put them in good team. They in their division, they should be at least good enough to get to the playoffs for sure. They have a good chance just because, you know, outside of Vegas, I would say that the uh, Pacific division is extremely, extremely average. Um, but the Oilers, you know, with the two superstars, they got definitely can always stick out in that. Uh, this one for me has been the team I have, you know, cheered for from afar for a while now. Um, I thought they were a playoff bubble team last year, but good Lord, they're going to be one heck of a lottery team this year. I think the Arizona Coyotes, uh, any objections to that one? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Low key. I'll be honest. Really? Like, I, I don't want to say a it little too bit. loud, but I, I, um, I was waiting for Luke to say his before <laughs> I chimed in. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't put them in, in lottery team. I think, I think they're on the upper on the upper side of on the outside, to be honest. Ooh, okay, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. you, you had me. I think they're <laughs> on the bottom side of on the outside, but not yet a lottery team because they're top four of their uh, yeah, three like of their the top players six they have the the actual they're, like established yeah. players they have. I I mean, they're they're pretty okay. Yeah, and I, that's a tough one. This is the hardest. This one. This is I a tough one because because. You have Ekman Larson, who who I think can be better than what he was. Jacob Chikrin took took some pretty good strides this year, and you know Barrett Hayden hopefully is going to step in for a full season. Step on Kessel Keller, like I, I don't think it's I don't think the roster is so bad Schmaltz. that they'd be a lottery team. Schmaltz, who's been good. I don't know. I, I just look at that team. There's just no goals in this team for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I. I wouldn't completely uh, get mad if we put them in lottery team, but I, I as would. of right now, I would say on the, cause what changed, what changed? Well, I guess no Taylor hall. Um, oh. 
but Hall didn't really help them that much. They kept, yeah, they stayed he, the same with Hall. I I think for the sake of like their organization, they should be a lottery team. I think that's pretty obvious. I don't think they are though. Uh, I I think they should be on on the outside. But aside from losing Hall, what else happened? And we aside from the, the Miller and all, yeah. that, all everything on the outside on paper, what really changed with this yeah. team? I yeah, just Hall. I agree. So I, I would say okay. I would say on the outside. I can put them on the outside. That's fine. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. I think every year somebody's predicted some sort of drop off for them, but they've been good. They've been good for a long time. Uh, Patrick, where are you putting Pittsburgh? I I would say first off, I would probably keep them as a good team. I'm looking at it now. Looking at their lineup. Um, and while the Kapanen trade was horrendous, and I think we're going to talk about the Penguins tomorrow when we have our Penguins fan guest on, but um, I, I'm still I'm still scared of that bottom six or top six. Wow, definitely not the bottom six. Sorry, they're top six, and you still have Latang. I don't want to put them in. I, I kind of want to put them in contenders just because Crosby. No, but just because. I can't bet against Crosby. But, but that what are you, what are you calling a contender? Because when I when I say contender, I'm thinking like the best two to three teams in each conference. Yeah, I would. Then, be, yeah, I was, you got to think yeah, of this on fair. a 31 team four scale teams here, right? League, yeah, I. That's fair. Pittsburgh's yep, okay. a good team. Then I would Friendly put. Then I'd, I'll, I'll put good team, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made some push. But on paper, I no, agree. Yeah, they're just a good team. Good but team. I think that's just because they're Pittsburgh and they have, yeah, Crosby and Malkin, but. I wouldn't put them in contender. Yeah. Luke, Boston Bruins have been a contender for a long time. Are they still a contender? I think they have to be. Um, I I've seen a lot of arguments that they've gotten better over this past offseason. I don't know about that. Um, regardless, they're they're still much of the same team. They're aging a bit, which isn't Who good. Isn't aging, am I right, guys? That's true. I think everyone is getting older, but if you if you just look at the team itself and the team that's going to play this upcoming season only, I I think they have to be contenders. Um, Tory Krug obviously is is you know their big event of the off season, but I, I I still think they're they're one of the best teams in the league and uh, no not the best team in the East but up there. Yeah, I I would also agree. I would still say. Uh probably at least right now behind Toronto and Tampa Bay, I would say they are the third best team in the Eastern conference. I would still make that argument. Um, You know, they've been good for a really long time and obviously that's paid a price and they are getting older. Uh, Losing Tory Krug is big, but I am cautiously optimistic to see uh, what Charlie McAvoy can do with the keys now completely handed over to him in all situations. And I think he's one of, uh, you know, the defenseman that just doesn't get talked about enough because we're all swallowed up by the big hype of the other young guys like McCarr and Hughes, but you know, Charlie McAvoy, I think is better than both those guys. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. I like the Craig Smith acquisition. You know what you're going to get from the perfection line. You know what you're going to get from Tuka Rask. I also still think there's a move coming here from Boston. I don't think they're done. Um, so I, I would still call them a contender. Pat, any objections from you? Um, wait, Luke, did you put them in contender? Yeah. I don't know if I would do that. And I'm going to say why. And I'm looking specifically at this year. If it's going to be a shortened season, you have, 
uh, Pasternak, who will miss the start of the 2021 campaign because he went surgery on his hip, and Marchand, who could also miss the start of the 2021 campaign. Um, your defense is Lausanne, Carlo, Clifton, Moore, and Grizzlick. I know McAvoy is great. I like the Craig Smith edition. Um, again, hard to bet against the perfection line. I don't think they are a clear-cut contender for me. I would probably put Toronto and Colorado above Boston because I think they've improved their roster. I would too. I know, but I, I don't I don't think this team I think this is a really good team. And if there was a category between good team and contender, I'd put them there. But I don't think this is a contending lineup with the roster they have now. I do agree with Nick that there's probably something coming. But again, only adding Smith. I'm not sold on the defense. And um yeah, I, I would say good team, but you both said contender, so I'll have to concede and put it in contender. But I just think they're a good team. Yeah, I still think just given the fact that they do have that elite offense, they've got one of the better coaches in the league right now and Bruce Cassidy. I don't think he gets talked about enough as to what a factor he is for them. Um, and, you know, Tuka Rask has had a couple of Vezina-worthy seasons in a row now, and I don't see any reason why he won't next year. And we know how far that can take you. We can always reevaluate that one after when we start putting teams away, but for now, I would at least say they're still a contender. Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, the perennial playoff bubble team. Uh, I still have them there. Pat, do you still have them there? Um, I think they're a good team that would be on the playoff bubble, if that makes sense. Um, I like I like what they I like what they did, and I think Max Domi will be will get his role as a, as a second line center because he seems to think he is a center, and having him with Atkinson and and he and Nyqvist and and um. Sorry, definitely not still salty, but yeah, you still you have Wierenski who will take who will take a step up. I, um, I think there's another move coming for them. I don't know what that would be, but actually, the more I look at it, looking at their bottom six, oh, you see, you have Nick Lino and Miko Koivu, Liam Foodie hopefully will step in. Um, hmm. I'll go playoff bubble, but I think they could be a good team. But right now, I'll go playoff bubble. Yeah, I, I would keep him there, Luke. Well, I was gonna go the I would go playoff bubble, um, but if anything, I'd lean the other way. Uh, on the bubble. What? On the bubble. On the outside. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, on the outside. I'd I'd put them in playoff bubble, but if I had to sway one way, I'd go on the outside. Um, mostly, like Pat, you just kind of touched on their roster. There, it's not, it's not great. Uh, it's not terrible, but I think just they've, they've kind of shown um, they've kind of shown that this past season, what they can do after losing all, all their, you know, after what happened last off season, uh, losing everyone they did, they're still a, a pretty decent team. So without that experience, I'd probably put them into on the outside, but I think they've shown their, uh, their playoff bubble for sure. It would have been neat to see what, the athletic did for their fan versus public opinion thing. I wonder if public opinion would be much or fan base would be much higher on them after sort of, you know, getting by getting by Toronto relatively easily. And then, you know, putting up some good games against Tampa. I wonder what they would say. For I that, can but, tell you in 10 seconds here, but yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll say what playoff bubble or on yeah. the outside playoff bubble. Um, fans, their, sorry, their fan base was pretty positive um, and change in confidence over the last year was about 40% on the more side. So, uh, We talked about the Chicago Blackhawks a lot a couple of weeks ago. I think they want to be a lottery team, but I think as long as they have Cannon Taves, they're on the outside, guys. 
Yeah, I would agree. And I think adding Ian Mitchell yeah. and, and another year of Kubalik will help. So I'll see on the outside. But definitely not good enough to be on the playoff bubble, I don't think, still. No, 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 no. No, no yeah. And not a lottery team, which would benefit them greatly mm-hmm. unless a big guy gets injured on the on the outside. Look at that, guy. 730, we're talking Washington. Great time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly as Luke predicted. Uh, viewers don't really know what we're talking about, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> the, the Washington Capitals... Uh, Again, they've been a good team for a long time, long, long time. I think they're still that. Uh, Patrick, are they still good? Mm, yes, they are still good. And I might – like, I have a hard time putting Boston ahead of Washington, if I can be completely honest. Oh, really? Kind uh, of. I, I don't. I to, to be fair, I, w- I would put – like, my vote is Washington should go on good teams. I would – like you said, Pat, if there was that – uh category category? i would maybe put them in there uh definitely not in contenders but also definitely not like i don't think you can say the capitals are a playoff bubble team they should not be in the same category as nashville and columbus no um yeah i'll I'll, I'll concede i'll go good team although i do think they can contend again this year because just the way i'm reading this the good team category is basically kind of locks for a playoff spot but maybe not Right. can, can, can and, win know, a couple rounds but won't the, the only couple. reason i just don't have them as a contender um is because you know i think a theme we're going to see as we build up the contenders is that they really do have either um you know superstars just entering their primes or they have uh rock solid goaltending or some sort of combination of the both you know samsonov can be a superstar goaltender but we just don't know yet. And he's so uncertain, right. Uh, as a sophomore next year, and he's going to have a starting role, at least we think. So uh, that'll be interesting to see uh, what they end up doing, but they could easily move up. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, Pat, I'm going to hand this over to you. I think I, I know where I stand on this one. I'm sure Luke knows where he stands, but Patrick, why don't you as our resident Montreal guy, tell us what's up here. I don't think they are. I think they're a playoff team. I think they are a playoff team that can win a round. I think they can specifically win one round next year, maybe more if the if Carey Price can carry them that far. I think they are a better team than Nashville and Columbus. I don't think they are as good as Pittsburgh and Washington. So I don't really have an option to put them anywhere because you guys, I think you guys sort of discriminated against the Montreal Canadiens a little bit, if I can be as we honest, do. As, as we do consistently on this show. Um, I look at Montreal's team. And I look at their forwards and I look at their goaltending and I think, hey, that's a good team. But I don't put it on par with those three we have there. And I don't put it on par with uh, Nashville and Columbus. So I'm not picking. I have no I have no answer. I can't pick. They're a you playoff guys... bubble team for me. I didn't know that was an option. Because well, is, I, I, right I think I think straight up, it, you can't compare the teams one by one in each thing. I, I, I get why you guys are doing that. But I think you got to look at the standings of their division because I think Columbus – uh, in their division could easily compete for a playoff spot. So could Nashville. I think you just have to to put them on the bubble. And the reason why Montreal just isn't a good team uh, or a lock playoff team is because they're the fourth best team in their division still. So for that reason, they're like automatically on the playoff bubble for me, Luke. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. When you look at it that way, I mean, I was going to put them in playoff bubble anyways. Yeah. Um, when you look at it that way, yes, for sure, playoff bubble. Yeah. So, Patrick, are you okay if we put them in the playoff bubble? Yes, so. 
Yeah. Okay. I don't care. See if I can. Yeah, you don't get a choice. <laughs> Show you guys uh, later when they're in the playoffs. I, I'm going to go ahead and we we touched on this already. I'm going to throw the Ottawa Senators in the lottery team. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, especially public opinion, starting to force them up into the on the outside picture. Uh, for me, they're not there yet. Uh, at least another year of being in the lottery, and they can I can see them moving up, but for the purposes of next season, I just can't, especially in a Canadian division where they'd be the seventh best team. I cannot see them being more than uh, in the lottery. Yep. Next one's pretty, I think this one, we all know where they're going the next, the next two, three, the next three, yep. uh, the reigning Stanley cup champions. I'm going to go ahead and throw them in the contenders guys. Uh, yep. Not much to say there. Tampa Bay lightning are going to be just as good next year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went for a repeat. Uh, I guess we'll uh, move on to the Colorado Avalanche. Patrick, you want to talk us through this one? Not really. I think we all know the answer. Contender. McKinnon, they added they added a top four defenseman in Devon Taves. They had a top six winger in Best Brandon Saad. Build on. Hmm? Best team in the league. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I, would, I, think, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were next year. I wouldn't be shocked if they're the best team in the league for the next like four or five yeah. years. Yeah. They are built to win now and for a long time. Uh they, I think they, out of the public surveys, again, I think they were number one uh, by the end of it. Luke, you want to talk us through Vegas? Still a contender. Um, it, like looking at Vegas, it's a bit weird because they haven't really had a normal team cycle, seeing as they basically started at the top. I think they are soon going to start coming down. Not next season, though, for sure. Still a contender. Those four there like if I had to pick only four contenders, that's them. Uh, sorry, Leafs yep. fans, but um, those four there and two from the East, two from the West. Those are, those are, I think locks for contenders next year. Yeah. Yep. I think, I think these are, they, they were last year and you could probably say they were maybe even the year before that, but I still say that these are the four of at least the five or six best teams in the national hockey league right there in the contender slot. Uh, yeah. Pretty funny that we had to go three contenders in a row, but <laughs> again, all deserving in their own way. You got the longstanding Tampa Bay lightning greatness, Vegas who have been decent now for quite a few years and Colorado who is majorly, majorly on the upswing. So uh, Philadelphia flyers for me, this is a good team. I thought they were going to be a playoff bubble team or on the outside last year. They surprised the heck out of me. And I really, with the continued development of Carter Hart, don't see any reason why they shouldn't at least still be a good team next year, guys. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's like like you said. Well, I think I think the Flyers, yes, good team, uh, but similar to Columbus, most of that is just coming from literally what they've done. Um, if they had a mass season last year, but still had the same roster that they do now, I'd maybe put them in playoff bubble. But they've kind of just proved to us over yeah and they, they the added summer. gustafson didn't they yeah they added eric gustafson yep yeah so yeah a good team good team you know, good we've team got before three, three guys from the metro here in pittsburgh philly and washington and you know i can see any of those teams finishing from one to three but i still can't see them getting close to the two uh best atlantic division teams there so i think i think we've got that one pretty much on par uh buffalo sabers have been a lottery team for what feels like an eternity. Luke, are they finally a bit better than that? That's a good question, Nick. And I don't know. Um, I think I would put them on the outside just 
like their 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 addition really well no they they've had additions but hall i i think you'd have to think something is there and they're they're going to be more than a lottery team uh i wouldn't put them anywhere near playoff bubble or anything but um good thing there is a category between playoff bubble and lottery teams because neither of those fit so on the outside for me patrick does taylor hall push him into on the outside yeah and looking at their top six, I think can be very, very, very scary. Stahl, Skinner can get back to his form we saw two seasons ago. Hall, Olafson, Eichel, Cozens, even someone like Reinhardt, who people have been paying attention to. Um, but the defense and the goaltending doesn't do it for me. So I will say on the outside. But again, that top six can do some damage. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are on the bubble. Yep, for sure. Uh, Dallas Stars just made it to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I wouldn't have called them a contender for the Stanley Cup last year, but, you know, they certainly ended up being that. Uh, Patrick, what are the Dallas Stars? I think they're just a good team. Yeah, they, they, they uh, I would agree. Um, you know, it gets a bit more difficult next year because of the Sagan and Bishop injuries, but I think just at least on paper, what they should be uh, is a good team. They are built to be good now and for the next two years again a team we've talked a lot about recently luke are you okay with them being considered a good team yeah it's it's kind of hard to put them there but certainly not playoff bubble and i wouldn't put them they're close but i wouldn't put them you know with bruins lightning avalanche knights so yeah good team winnipeg jets Holy smokes, I thought these guys were going to be contenders for the next few years back in like 2018. They quickly fell off uh, into playoff bubble territory, at least now in a highly competitive central division. Uh, I would still say bubble just because I don't think they're better than uh, Colorado or Dallas and another team that we're going to get to. Uh, Luke, what do you think? Yeah, Yes, playoff bubble, like definitely not a good team. I think we'd all agree on that. Um, it's between playoff bubble and on the outside. But I just, I don't think, I think they're trending that way. I don't think they're quite on the outside yet. So certainly playoff bubble, but even then I wouldn't, I mean, on a usual formatted year, I wouldn't expect them to make the playoffs. Patrick, lots of good, lots of good players, but lots of flaws with this team. They playoff bubble for you. Yep, playoff bubble. Um, I do think a move is coming. I do like DeMello and Pionk, but again, you need more on defense, and I think they're going to make a move for that. But even then, I still think they'd be a playoff bubble team. The New York Rangers should be a contender in next to no time. Uh, they're certainly on that trajectory. Next year, though, uh, you know, remains another iffy one. Patrick, where do you see him? Mm, um, I'll, I'll say I'll say playoff bubble, I think. Um, but again... The I'm I'm still and I I love Adam Fox and I think Ryan Lindgren's sort of underrated but again Jack Johnson Jacob Truba their their bottom six is eh but uh but again Panarin did kind of carry them down the stretch yeah I'll, I'll say I'll say playoff bubble I think that's fair yeah I that's do a think hard it's one. fair Luke yeah um playoff bubble for sure because it's like similar to what I said. I guess with most of these teams, I, uh, you couldn't put them on, on the outside. I don't think, uh, and you couldn't put them in good teams. So again, just by process of elimination playoff bubble, it's a bit weird to put them there, but 
you know. Yeah, you know, I, I could easily see them blowing up. You know, they could be one of those teams that blows up next year and they could be a good team uh, or they could, you know, very easily take a step back and end up on the outside. But I think, you know, the healthy even between them would be the playoff bubble. And I think yeah. that's what they're going to be. The goaltending should be fun to watch, at least with Shisterk and Georgiev. Uh, like Patrick said, in terms of depth, there's a lot to dislike about this team, but they have so much high-end talent and so much of it on the way. They'll be a contender in no time, but at least for now, uh, I agree with the house here and say playoff bubble. St. Louis Blues won a Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. Uh, they are going to be on the bubble of something here because they are good, but are they a contender, Patrick? No. No, no, they are not. I think they're a good team. Luke, I I agree. Um, yeah, for now, a good team, but um, not. Yeah, good team. I I was gonna say trending away from uh, trending downwards, but maybe not yet. Yeah, good team. Man, they're they're so weird for me because you know if Bennington really gets on his game like he was in the 2019 playoffs, they could easily be a contender. Or if he falls apart, they could look really silly like they did against the Canucks in the playoffs this year. Um, I'm really excited to see the what happens with that defense now without Petrangelo. Uh, they're gonna have Tory Krug back there. Is that gonna lead to a bigger role for Pareko? They're definitely. Uh, going to be interesting, but I think at the very least, I would agree that they are a good team. Um, you know, second best in their division, I would say. So, should be there. Florida Panthers. Uh, I think they get pushed down with Montreal's outside. emergence. I think they're on the outside, guys. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No disagreement. They've got the high end guys there. They've got Barkov and Uberdo. Uh, Bobrovsky is an extreme wild card because yeah. who knows what's going to happen with him next year. He could easily blow up and have a Vesna season. This team is on the bubble and competing, but it just, I'm not sold on any part of them completely. So and, I would say, on and the when upside, you look at it the same way you described, like in an actual, um, like division by division layout, they're they're not making the playoffs right they're the fifth best team in the yeah. uh in the atlantic division and i i still i i you know we look how many metro teams we have five metro teams that are better than them so by that process of elimination they're on the outside anaheim ducks this is a team that wants to be on the bubble uh based on their offseason ads i don't think they're there guys uh lottery team i they suck the ducks are and they're and I every time I talk about them I find it hilarious how close they are to the cap. They're a lottery team. Patrick, are they lottery? Hmm. I I, I I don't know how you could argue otherwise. Well, I don't know either. Except <laughs> you add Shattenkirk. I think Trevor Zegris. Um. I guess I'll say a lottery team, but. You see, Again, I think they did enough during the offseason to push them out from the lottery, at yeah. least to the worst end of on the outside. Yeah, I'm going to very, very, very bad. Not good, but they're not yeah. horrible. I, I'm staying on the outside because I think you, you had Shattenkirk. Uh, Manson played well last year. Um, John Trevor Zegers. Yeah, Zegers is going to make the team. It looked like he, looks like he will, and I think they're on the outside. But Luke seems very anti Anaheim. 
right. I, well, I think Anaheim's one of the worst teams in the league. I think they're the most boring team in the league, or one of them. That's a different that too, though. But well, you know what? I'm starting to notice a trend here. Lots of parity in the NHL, and we've got a lot of teams in the playoff bubble uh, yeah. coming up here. I think Vancouver Canucks. Mm. I think they're on the bubble, guys. I oh, think they took a slight. Wait, step which back. one? Like on the outside or playoff? The playoff bubble. bubble. The playoff bubble. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they're on the outside. I think they're good enough to make it. I don't think their division's that great. I think they're um, better than most of the teams that are in the playoff bubble column. Um, so as long as we agree they're on the upper side of that, I'm okay with putting them there. So they're on the middle side of it. You have my permission to put them on the upper side of playoff <laughs> bubble. Uh, I'll say bubble team. I think they have good players, but I don't think they are a good team on par with the teams we mentioned. I would say bubble upper part. Luke, of the are you bubble. okay with that? Yes, I am. And yeah, you know, I'm thinking we should have done. We should have like ranked them. Ooh, don't can, put them. Like, don't put them beside that team. Put them over. No, I, I wanted to put them beside that team. Yeah, they're okay. BFFs. <laughs> uh, this next playoff bubble. We team just too. talked about these guys a lot today. Mm-hmm. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, lots of real estate in our heads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where are they? Where are they going to end up, guys? Uh, Patrick, I'll go to you. Uh, this is a good team. This is a good hockey team. This is a good offensive hockey team who added pieces to their defense. They are not a contender. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think they can beat any of the teams up there. Um, even though I criticize Boston, Boston just has their number and they don't match up well against them. I think they're a good team. I think we I agree. agree and I, you know? not and not just saying that because I despise the Leafs. They're not a contender. They're not. They're not in that top four. And just looking at who we have coming up here, it looks like that top four is going to be um, who it ends up as. So I, yeah. I think they're closer to a contender than almost every team in this good teams column. However, uh, yeah, I, it, they haven't won a playoff round, so I cannot put them in contender. They have not Agreed. won one yet. I can't put them in contender. I just can't. I, I, I physically can't do it. I have to take my hands off the keyboard up here. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, well, we're not going to do it. So yeah, New Jersey Devils. Uh, they won a couple of lotteries recently. Uh, they in line to do that again, Luke? No. Um, they should be. They should be trending upwards in the next little while. I I wouldn't put them anywhere above on the outside. So I I think they should be on the outside. But at the same time, they're not. They're not like Ottawa or LA. That's for sure. Maybe. A few years ago, I guess when they actually did, um, they actually were a lottery team. But no, for now, on the outside, we're gonna have to speed I could, through the last few here, Patrick. If you want, I could, I yeah, no, I, I, I can hear the argument for either. But I do think looking at their roster, again, we only have two lottery teams at the moment. For the sake of adding another one, if I were to add one, it, it would probably be uh, the New Jersey Devils. But I also understand the argument for having them on the outside. I, I'm fine with either. Guys, I think Carolina Hurricanes are good, but good team. Uh, good team. Yeah. Self-explanatory. Wow. The Metropolitan Division is so interesting, eh? Because that is yeah. now the fourth one we have in good team. And we've got two more as bubbles. Like, it's it, it's going to be a really good division for a while, but my God, it's going to fall flat. And there's going to be a lot of bad teams there all of a sudden um, yes. in a couple of years. San Jose Sharks are a lottery team for me, guys. Yeah, close to on the outside. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say on the outside, but I'm fine with it. Well, you. I'm kind of in the middle, so I yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I just they've got the P like if Carlson is healthy and can play well, that does a lot. If Burns plays better, that does a lot. If they get better goaltending, but it's too many ifs for me. I think they're on the outside. I changed my mind. Yeah, I think they're on the I think they're on the outside. 
I guess they're going on the outside. The New York Islanders, uh, perennial bubble team for me. They're close to good team. I think I you, you see. I think they're on the downwards trajectory. I think they're going to be playoff bubble or on the outside. I thought that this year, and I I'm not I'm not going to bet against this team anymore. Um, Trots can do wonderful things as a coach, even though I don't agree with the way they're managed or the way their roster is constructed. I just think they play like a like a good team, but on paper they are not. So I will go bubble. Yeah, bubble. Yeah, fair. Yes. Minnesota Wild, uh, Mister Playoff Bubble Team. Yeah, bubble team. They should be in the same category as Montreal Bubble Team. I think Montreal's better than Minnesota, but whatever. <laughs> I don't right. know about it. Detroit Red Wings. Safe to say where they're going. Uh, Lottery guys. You you can say it first, Pat, because I know mm. what you're gonna say. Let me look at their lineup. Let me look at what their lineup is going to be. I would say on the outside. I would also say on the outside. I think. I think. Do you really spent think in... they can go from worst team we've seen in? I think. The I think they're going to end. On they're the going to end. Quickly. They're going to end twenty fourth to twenty eighth. Yeah. I don't see any argument for them being better than LA. What? I don't. Okay. Um, a good point. That is a good point. But you have Zadina coming in. You add a complimentary piece in Troy Stetcher. Uh, Thank you. Third you're welcome. Uh, I've complimented the Canucks way too much today. Um, actually, you know what? I can hear the argument for both. No, we. I know what, Nick. I agree with you. Um, sorry, Luke. But I would go back right. to lottery team. Calgary Flames. Uh, I don't like the trajectory of this team. I don't. I don't like I don't the like trajectory. The Flames. I'll say I, I don't like them. Patrick has ripped into them unusually <laughs> in the past few weeks. Um, I would say playoff bubble just because of yeah. how bad the division is, but I, I couldn't put I them could so easily see them on the outside. No, but if you look at the teams on the on the outside column, like I don't. I don't think I, they fit in there. No, I, I'll say bubble. I think they're a bubble team, and it depends a lot on how Markstrom yeah. does. Too many wild cards. Can Monaghan play defense just for a second? That'd be nice. We'll see what happens with the Cal Gary Flames. Guys, I think this list is really reflective of how much parity there is in the NHL these days. Agree? Yes. Because like, we, we've, the... we've got quite a few playoff bubble teams that could easily fall out. You know, while the – while it is just over 50% of these teams do make the playoffs in the end, um, you know, there's so much more parity these days. There's uh, 12 teams to. in those top two rows. And I think any of those teams could win the cup, yeah. which is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I would say this is the easiest list we've done yet because there's not that much to debate because. Well, I think, I think it's easy because there's so much variance that are, we're just right. like, we're spitballing a lot of these, like, this, is probably not at all accurate when we look back at it in a whenever but well we're gonna throw that on the instagram and people can make fun of us there uh yeah for our horrible takes take dot two dot take yes. um guys what did you think of this week's tier list good good uh less animosity which is always nice but also animosity is fun because uh we we can go on well, no, coming no, up, no, we're going to be doing another tier list. Uh, I think that's going to be in two weeks because we're now alternating between that and uh, mock drafts or uh, redrafts. Sorry. Uh, we're going to be doing another one with all the NHL teams again, where we're going to rank them based on how they play, I think is what we'll describe yes. it as, um, based on styles. So that should be a little less 
um, completely subjective and more open yeah. to interpretation or open analysis. So that, that should be a fun one, but that'll be in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, next week, I think we're going to do a 2012 redraft. Yeah, that's going to be a brutal one. That's such a, I looked at it today. That's such a bad draft class. Like yeah. it's 2010 level. So um, that, Patrick, I, what do we got? What do we got coming on tomorrow? You can yes. maybe tee that up a bit. So tomorrow we are going to be going over the NHL's top 20 wingers that they released. And there are going to be some disagreements we suspect uh, with the way they put out that list. We'll also be having a guest, um, a, call, a colleague, a uh, classmate of ours, uh, who works for the London Knights in sport media as well. Talk about him. He's a Penguins fan. So we'll get lots of talk and opinions on the Penguins. Um, yeah, should be, should be a fun episode. Might dive into some other controversial topics because we love to do that stuff. Uh, as we wrap up here tomorrow, by the way, that is from seven to eight. You can follow Luke Burroughs at the Luke Burroughs on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Nikos Robinson, myself at Patrick Talon 81. And I want to remind every single person who tuned into the show that it can be heard on Barn Burner Radio Network on its 122 platforms. Check out all of it on barnburner.ca for all the news updates. Nick and Luke, thank you so much for being here and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks guys.